Salam, Khoshavadi. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Team Ellie Talk. I'm your host, Artif Tehari. It's great to have you back with us. It's been a while since our last edition of Team Ellie Talk, but for this edition, I'm really excited to be introducing basically a podcast within a podcast. And this will be the first ever segment of what will be called Great Moments in Team Ellie History. And for those of you diehard Team Ellie supporters, if you have a good memory of the national team of Iran, then you'll be able to talk about some of the greatest moments. And when talking about those games, you'll be able to tell who you were with, where you were watching the game, and you'll also be able to describe your feelings and what you were experiencing in these moments. And we've come to the 20-year anniversary of the game that is known as the Miracle at Melbourne. That was the 29th of November, 1997. It was the second leg between Iran and Australia, the Inter-Confederation Playoff. At that time, Australia were members of the Oceania Football Confederation and, of course, Iran from the Asian Football Confederation. And for this edition of Great Moments in Team LA History, I am joined by a good friend of mine named Mahiar. Mahiar, welcome to Team LA Talk. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Art. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to share the memories of that game with you and all your audiences today. Awesome. And once again, Mahir, thank you for being here. Before we get right to that game, let's go back and review a little bit of what was going on in 1998 World Cup qualifying for Iran. Things were looking well. In the final round of qualifying, Iran was grouped with Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kuwait, and China. Only three games left in the final round. It looked like Iran was ready to book an automatic qualifying spot. But a 1-0 loss on the road against Saudi Arabia was a setback. After that, a 0-0 draw at home against Kuwait really put a dent in plans. And then, to top it off, Iran had a chance to book an automatic qualification spot by winning the group, but instead were defeated 2-0 by Qatar. After that, head coach Mehdi Mayali Kohan was fired. Brazilian Valdair Vieira, commonly known as Badu, was brought in. Then there was that game against Japan, a 3-2 loss in golden goal extra time. It was a one-game playoff in Malaysia. Iran started playing better, but it was still a heartbreaker. Then after that, a 1-1 draw between Iran and Australia in Tehran at the Azadi Stadium. A record attendance of nearly 130,000 people. That game ended in a 1-1 draw. Harry Kuehl from Australia was only 19 years old at that time, scored the first goal to give Australia the lead. But then, later in the first half, Khodadad Azizi equalized, but no more scoring after that. So it was 1-1 after the first leg, and of course, the second leg will be played at Melbourne one week later. So Mahiar, looking back at those moments, after that first leg, it was 1-1. And in those days, you know, things were different with the internet, and I believe you were actually living in Iran at that time. What was everyone thinking going into that second leg against Australia? You know, Arashjan, it was very interesting to know everybody was anxious for that game because Iran unfortunately missed their shot way too many times right before the Australia series started. And with that one one tie, it was you, you never want to be on a... You don't want to get a tie in your home when you're playing such an important game. You always want to win. So after that tie-tie... There was people were in two groups. One a group they didn't think Iran can make it all the way in Australia, and some people were hopeful. 
that Iran can win. So the second game comes in, and everybody was anxious. I remember I used to be in, I was in high school at the time, and the night before, the TV announced that everybody can go home. They can let the schools out early so everybody can go and watch the game. It was such an important game. Everybody, you you ask even the people who weren't a fan of soccer in Iran, they wanted to watch that game. Everybody was anxious. There was TVs on everywhere. People were anxious to get home, getting food, getting ready to watch this historical event to be known as the Mojize Melbourne. So it was it was very interesting to start seeing that game, and I can briefly remember everything that happened in that game. Really great to hear. You know. The difference is different parts of the world. You were in Iran. Of course, I was in Southern California. And in those days, I remember getting really into the internet at that time. And that's what really led me to follow Team Ali and World Cup qualifying all over the world. And I remember reading the possibilities before that second leg against Australia. Going into it, I just thought whoever wins is going to go to the World Cup and that's it. But then I did not understand aggregate scoring that well. And then when I saw that if the game ended in a 0-0 tie, Australia would have qualified for scoring an away goal in Tehran, I suddenly almost felt like a sickness in my stomach. Then they said if they tied 1-1, they'd go to extra time. But then it said if they tied 2-2 or 3-3 or even 4-4, then Iran would qualify on the away goals rule. So before that game, I spoke to my brother, told him all the possibilities. He said, so Iran has to score. Correct. See, the problem was the same thing with Iran. Like at the time, the internet wasn't that big in Iran, so everything that we followed was the news that came out on TV. Like it had a TV reporter following the team Meli and also Mr. Khilbani. I don't know if you remember, was the commentator of the game. So they had like a breakdown. Oh, you know, tonight news. Oh, team Meli has arrived in Melbourne. They're getting ready. This is their hotel. They had the first practice. So everything that we hear was just from news, nothing on the internet at the time. Internet wasn't that big. Now that everybody can afford the internet and the computer in their homes. Certainly we couldn't. And so everything we follow was through national TV. And the and then the aggregate thing, like it came up and one of the newscasters was telling the possibilities of how they're gonna do it, and if Iran's gonna score, how they're gonna score. But um, there was a TV programs having all the head coaches from different teams coming in, commentate on the how Iran played the previous game and how they have to change it if they want to score and if he wants to go to to World Cup. So it was pretty much a mission impossible because the quality of the Australian player, some of them were much higher than Iranian player. They played in the Barca League or uh, other European leagues, but Iran not as much as the other team. And of course, at the time, the... The quality of the soccer or football that Australia played was higher than Iran. You could see that on the first leg of the game, and then you could still see that on the second leg of the game. So it, all Iran had to do was score two goals or more or win the game to, to qualify. And that, honestly, not, not that many people after that was, have the faith for it. You know, I can't really talk negatively about fans who may not have had a lot of faith I think a lot of it had to do with those missed opportunities like we mentioned earlier. And when you're talking about Australia, that time they were coached by Terry Venables, an Englishman who was actually coach of England during Euro 96, took them to the semifinals. And you're talking about the Australian players. They even had some players at that time that were playing in the English Premier League. So yes, there was a big difference. There was a big divide there between, you know, looking at the rosters of the players. Definitely. 
So let's get right to that game. I remember over here in Southern California, it was a Friday night turning into a Saturday morning, so the game started here at about 1.30 in the morning. Over there for you, it was in the, earlier in the afternoon, and like you said, that you got to go home early. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. Actually, I get to go to my aunt's house. She invited everybody to go and watch the game, and it was around 2.33, and I remember my, my aunt, she made upgush because there was a lot of people going into her house. So, and if you... It, it was it was a good lunch. We had the lunch. We were getting ready, and the TV had the countdown to the game. You know, before they had the shows, the soccer shows that we were talking, everybody anxious. I remember, even before the game started, I already going through my nails. I had no more nails to bite in my fingers, so I had to start biting other people's fingers. Everybody was anxious. You could see the stress on everybody's look. Everybody had that like pale look. Everybody were just waiting. Nobody was like breathing. Everybody was just, just waiting for that game to start or that ball drop. And the game started. And yes, the game started. And unfortunately for me, the place I would always go to to watch games at that time, they weren't able to get the satellite signal. So to start off, it's like we're thinking, okay, are we going to miss quite possibly the most important game? I mean, the last qualifier. There was no more tomorrow after this. This was it. But, you know, like I said, we couldn't see the game at first, but someone, of course, had their Iranian radio. And right from the start, you could hear the commentator over and over mentioning Ahmad Reza Abidzadeh's name, our starting keeper at the time and captain, our leader. He was making a lot of saves. Just after the first five to ten minutes, it sounded like Australia could have been winning by at least maybe two goals. I remember the game started, Australia came out like a bat out of the cape, swinging left and right. They're playing so good. Like you said, the first five, six minutes, they have so many opportunity. They put Iran in such a pressure that I thought Iran's gonna get one goal right there. Australia's gonna score and it's gonna get worse. But luckily, Abed Zodeh, man, every shot that come in, he controlled it. He had that little smile on his face and he had the legendary gums, you know, that he was chewing on. He, he, he was a positive force at the moment that some of the Iranian players, I think they got surprised. They didn't know what to expect when the game started. And they were shocked. They were shell-shocked. They couldn't play. They couldn't even play. They, they were letting out the balls in so easy that you wouldn't believe how that, that game was going to turn out. I thought the first five minutes, I thought it was for sure it was going to lose three or four goals right there. And at that time, like you were saying... You know, here we are, you know, going, you were in Iran, of course, now going back to Southern California. We're scrambling, looking for a place to find the game. Finally, after a few minutes, someone says, hey, there's a restaurant that's showing it, so let's go. So we all went, and by the time we walked in, we looked around. There's people cheering and being loud. People were being optimistic, but I right away looked up at the score, and I saw that Australia was winning one nothing. and Harry Kuehl beat Ahmed Reza Abedzadeh at the near side after a nice cross. So it was one nothing Australia. Like I told you, I walked in when the first half was almost about to end. And when it was one nothing, I mean, what was going through your head? Were you were you worried? Were you starting to panic? Or were you just trying to keep cool? I was worried, actually, because the way Australia was playing, they had the ball, they had the field, they passed pretty good. Iran was just trying to get the ball, shoot it out. Get the ball, shoot it out. Just try to deflect the ball from its 
from its 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 ground. So when when Hercule scored that goal, man, my heart just dropped. I knew that was the first of the many to come, and everybody just lost their composure. You could have seen everybody was like they they had even the glimpse of hope that they had. They have lost it after that one goal, and actually I think. It worked out better for Iran because after that first goal, Iran was kind of woke up. They start start playing a little bit better, a little bit of pass. So maybe five, six minutes after that goal, Iran kind of came back to the game again. And that's what they needed to do. And, you know, when you're mentioning how they're just clearing the ball, those are the things you can't be doing when you're losing and you have to score. I mean, you have to find a way to score. Had to do something. So... The halftime whistle was blown. It was one nothing Australia. And even where I was watching the game, a lot of people were being optimistic. And I know you said you were worried. And I think for anyone who's listening, anyone who's, you know, very familiar with the Iranian culture and especially with sports, you know, we tend to have a habit of just panicking and just, you know, getting worried very quickly. And I'm guilty of that, that's for sure. So like I said, it was halftime. One nothing Australia. We're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. My name is Andranik Eskandarian, and you are listening to Tim Melly Talk. Okay, everybody, welcome back. This is our first ever segment of Great Moments in Team Melly History. And as you've been listening, we are reliving the miracle at Melbourne. At halftime, in the second leg of the playoff between Australia and Iran, Australia was winning one nothing on aggregate. They were actually winning two to one. So the second half started, and you know, Mahiar, it basically picked up from the first half. Australia came out firing, guns blazing in the second half, and then just after a few minutes, the 48th minute, after a cross from Stan Lazardis, a header from Harry Kewell, then another header that bounced off the crossbar. It actually froze Abidzade, and then Aurelio Vidmar hammers the ball in. It's 2-0 Australia. The fans in Melbourne could feel it. I mean, they're up 2-0. Iran really couldn't do anything. Dude, that, when that goal, when they scored that goal right out of the bat, it, it, was, it was heartbreaking. It was even worse than the first one because at that point, you know, you already, your team is two down. You won't think the team can make it. And then all those fans just cheering and just going crazy. And you can see the look of Iranian players and the coach. And everybody was down. There was no hope. Everybody was sad. Even the players, they just started blaming each other, pointing at each other. Just bring the morale of the game down. And and I remember that goal, man. When that guy scored, he went to the, I think it was like a right side of the field. And everybody just going with him. And it, it, was, it, it was just sad. And I could just hear... The commentators saying, "Oh wow, this was a bad goal. You know, we should have get that goal." And it's it's it just made it much harder for everybody to come back. And everybody just had that sad face. Everybody's like, "Oh well, there you go. This is it. Can't come back from a two two goal deficit now. You get a score either two goals or three goals. And the way they're playing, they're never gonna make that such a goal." And you know, at that time, something happened. And for you know, people who know yeah. me very well. You know, my Farsi isn't top-notch. Yeah. So we were watching the game. There was a lot of TV screens to watch it on, but our audio was an Iranian radio. Right. And after that goal, it's 2-0. I noticed 
Ahmed Reza Abidzadeh and some of the referees, they were having to repair the net. And at that moment when it happened, I wasn't really thinking much of it. And I think I missed a part of the broadcast where security was escorting some guy off the field. I learned about this later. But what happened after that goal was something very influential. Until this day, Australian fans still put some blame on this person. There's a guy at that game, a spectator named Peter Hoare. He's been known to disrupt major events. From what I understand, I think he's been diagnosed before with having some kind of mental problems. So, you know, I can't get too much into that. But anyway, Peter Hoare ran onto the field, damaged the goal net, the net that had where the goal had just been scored. And so I remember seeing Abid Zadeh trying to fix it. And many people say that after that goal... What happened gave the Iranian players a much-needed rest because they were under fire. They were exhausted getting beat to all the 50-50 balls. I mean, Australia was controlling everything. And, you know, it's really, really creepy when you think about it because some Australian fans, like I said, till this day, still want to put some blame on the guy, Peter Hoare, who tore up the net. I mean, really, really crazy to look back on. Yeah, I remember... The commentator was like, oh, the game has stopped. There's a problem. And then the camera kind of went back towards Iran's goal. And you could see the security. They weren't escorting this guy more likely they were carrying because they had him in the cuffs in his hand, his leg. They're, they're just four or five guys picked this guy up and just take him to the to outside. And I, I could remember we were showing him and then people were throwing the drinks at him. And this guy, and I was like looking, I'm like, what's going on? And then the camera went back to the the field and Iran's goal and referees are there people are there trying to use tapes to put the goal back and some years later actually I listened to an interview with the Persian players that they talked about that situation some of them were like you know what after that we kind of say you know what this is this is the end they they disrespected us like this so we're, we're out so we're just gonna put whatever we have whatever fuel left whatever gas left in the tank we're gonna put everything down on the on the on the field and just try our best to score the goals back. And at that time, you know, it was two nothing Australia. A lot of people in the restaurant where I was watching were still being very optimistic, and that was cool. But time kept ticking on. Like we said, that goal by Vidmar was scored in the 48th minute. You know, then we reached the hour mark. It's still 2-0 Australia. They're leading 3-1 on aggregate. You know, time keeps on ticking. And I think it was kind of at about the 72nd or 73rd minute where, for my for what I was experiencing, we suddenly lost the satellite feed. So the TV's turned off. And then, you know, people got were kind of quiet, you know, wondering, okay, when's this game coming back? Luckily, though, someone had their Iranian radio. But it was at that moment, sitting there in the dark, I remember I went to go watch this game with my dad, my brother, and one of his friends. And it was at that moment I put my head down on the back of the chair in front of me. And I'm not joking. I was really hurt. I could really feel like it was about to be over because all I could picture in my head were those missed opportunities against Saudi Arabia, against Kuwait, that terrible loss at Qatar, the heartbreaker against Japan. And my brother leaned in, puts his hand on my back and whispered. He said, dude, there's still time. And I knew there was still time. I knew there was still time, but it was so hard to be optimistic at that moment. It was, it was tough. But then, you know, all of a sudden, 
We're hearing on the radio, I hear goal, Iran. And some guy turns around to tell everyone, hey, Iran just scored. We're down 2-1. And everyone starts cheering. And, you know, I lifted my head up and started clapping. So, yes, I was being positive. I was clapping. But my first thought was, okay, glad we scored. But we need another goal. So now over to you in Tehran. What was oh my god, it was crazy. It was I remember all the Iranian players in front of the goal, Australian defenders in front of the goal, ball comes in. There's the mayhem. Everybody's trying to kick it in. And hold on, I think he fell on the floor. And everybody, they, they thought it was going to be a penalty kick, but it wasn't. And all of a sudden, hold found the ball in front of him. And he saw Karim Bahari right in front of goal. So even though he was down, he did the little kick, passed the ball to him. Karim was right there. He scored the goal. Man, everybody just light up the room. It was crazy. Everybody just cheering. We knew we were down one more goal, but the fact that we scored and this could be a comeback, everybody was happy. I could hear from outside, everybody from the windows that they had in Iran, like Buzilas that people use a lot actually. You could hear that people going out and just they're just blowing those whistles in the street already. You know, Iran, Iran, Iran. You know, everybody was excited. So the goal score two one. We come back again to put the put to put the ball in the front of the half mark, and here we go after that. And as you know, everyone, that goal was scored by Karim Bagheri. That was in the 76th minute. So it's two one Australia. And at that time, even though Australia had been the better side, I think it's possible there might have been some type of, you know, feeling of getting a little worried. You know, the the fans were still confident. But it was probably like that kind of apprehensive kind of cheering where, okay, let's hope we can hold on or score another goal. And, you know, the funny thing is we got the satellite feedback probably maybe a minute or two after that goal. And they showed the replay of the goal and, you know, everyone's cheering. Everyone's loud inside the restaurant. Everyone, you could feel the euphoria. I mean, I don't know if I want to use the word euphoria that quickly, but you could feel that people were really excited. And the one thing that I remember to be so crazy is that as the satellite feed came back, Iran looked like a different team. They looked more confident. They're passing the ball. They looked like they're putting in more effort, playing with more Kairat. Yes. You could see it. And everyone's cheering. You know, everyone's keeping their spirits up. Iran starts putting on more pressure. And I remember Mehdi Madavikia had a run down the right side. He was trying to cross it. He thought it was going to be a corner kick for Iran, but instead the referees... Uh, signaled for a goal kick and then the goal kick for Australia Mark Bosnich sends it way out of his penalty area then Karim Bagheri gets his head on the ball and you know you hear everyone in the restaurant cheering because you know Iran is playing with so much more confidence Bagheri gets his head on that ball goes right to Ali Dai then Dai with pressure you know get trying to you know get muscled away from the ball sends in a pass it goes right to Azizi and everyone's cheering, the flag stays down, and all of a sudden, Azizi is confronted in no man's land by Mark Bosnich, puts it right past him, ties it at 2-2. We are going crazy. Super 
I don't even remember yelling at that moment, but I jumped on my dad. I mean, some guy picked me up. I didn't even know who he was. It was insane over there. I know, man. It, it was crazy. So I remember right before that goal kick, uh, Ali Dai went to the referee and complained that the photographer on the Australian side, every time Iran has the ball and they go towards the goal, they start flashing their cameras. So uh, the referee went to the Australian side and I think he told them like they're not supposed to do it that way because every time Iran got the ball, all of a sudden you see the flashes going through their, their cameras. So that happened. The goal kick came in, Karim Bollery, Ali Doi, Ali Doi, a bigger man, muscled the ball in, passed it to Azizi, and man, that guy, the, the gazelle, scored that goal. I remember the look on Bozenich's face when he was just laying down and he had that sad face on. And everybody, happy, jumping, crazy, people hugging each other, my aunt, my uncles, my sister, my mom, everybody going crazy. It was it was nuts. It, it was just it was nuts. It it was one of the best goals that Khodada I think ever scored. Not because of the importance of the game and the goal, but actually the execution, the passing, and the final touch on the ball was just amazing. And the Australian defenders had their hands put up. They're raising their hand up asking for offsides. But when you see that replay, it wasn't even close. It was a perfectly timed run. It was awesome. And, you know, during that time, we're all celebrating. I mean, it's going crazy in the restaurant we were at. It was just insane. People are chanting. I mean, everyone's giving each other high fives, just a lot of energy, people giving each other hugs. I mean, you know, we're getting excited. And, you know, earlier we were talking about the possibilities, you know, involving aggregate scoring. Like I said, that time the Internet was not really big. And, I, of course, I was one of the people there who already knew – the possibilities, you know, the what ifs, you know, based on the goals. And a lot of people, I'm pretty sure, did not know those possibilities based on away goals and whatnot. So I remember in the middle of all that celebrating, I turned around, I yelled to my brother and his friends. I said, hey, if Iran ties, we go to the World Cup. And everyone looked at each other like, what? Are you serious? And that brought even more excitement. But then after all that excitement, you know, I'm always a very real, realistic person. You know, it's not over till it's over. At that moment, you know, it was 2-2. Azizi scored that goal in the 80th minute. I immediately became beyond nervous because we knew that Iran had to hold on. We knew they were going to play just to defend. They were not going to go for a third goal. Just by the way things go, you know, they were the underdogs in that game. And I immediately became so nervous because... You know, there was no way that I would be able to block out those memories of that game against Japan, you know, those dropped points against Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and even Qatar. And I just knew that from that moment on, Iran would have to defend like there was no tomorrow. They'd have to jump in front of every pass, jump in front of every shot, head the ball out, clear it out as much as they could. And when you look back at that moment when that one Australian fan, Peter Hoare, ran onto the field, they took about five minutes to repair that net. So we immediately knew that there was going to be a lot of stoppage time. I mean, actually, that was a form of torture after it became 2-2 because... It was nine we, minutes. About. I think it was about eight or nine minutes. I knew it was going to be torture just because those would be like the longest minutes of our lives, so to speak. I mean, stoppage time and not, not only that, even just... 
the final minutes of regulation. I, I remember Iran, all they're doing was defense, defense, more defense. And at that point, everybody was nervous. I was nervous. The amount of nervousness was so high, I think it's beyond describe. I remember I couldn't even stand. I had to sit down because my feet was shaky. There was so much adrenaline. There's so much stress was going on. So I had to sit down and watch the rest of the game. And but that, that game did not disappoint. So time's winding down. And I remember those last minutes, you know, even before we got the stoppage time, Australia had a few chances. Of course, they made some substitutions later in the game. You know, they had some chances, but Abedzadeh came up with some saves. And when Abedzadeh would make those saves, you know, everyone in the restaurant was cheering. But I didn't cheer. All I did was exhale. That's all I could do. Because I couldn't cheer for Abedzadeh making a save. Because my whole mindset was, there's no way I can cheer until this game is over. And we qualify to the World Cup. That was it for me. I remember one of the funniest scenes like, in the middle of all this. Ibrahim... Tahomi, I think he comes in as a substitute. He stays in the in a game. And I don't know, about like maybe 20 minutes after that, he gets another substitution that he has to go out. So while he was walking out, Hamid Azulistili comes to him to for him to ask to kill the time. So in the middle of just walking out, Tahomi just sits down, starts tying his shoes, and everybody was standing, and then Sandra Paul, I think it was the name of the referee. He just runs in, gives a yellow card, and Tahomi gets up, walks again. Like, slowest walk I ever seen a man make till he, he gets out. That was, that, was very, that, was a, that was a funny moment, I remember. It, it, was, it was very good. So that kind of little bit gives a positive spin to the whole game at that time. And Ibrahim Tahami, yes, he was given a yellow card from referee Shandor Poole. <laughs> I mean, it was expected, but I, you know, it's hard to remember exactly what I said at that moment, but I think I probably would have been yelling things like, get off the field, we don't need more stoppage time, but, you know, that's that's typical in this sport at times. So time was winding down, you know, we got through the full 90 minutes, and then came stoppage time. You know, we get to like three, it's four, even five minutes of stoppage time, and I remember so many people were yelling, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, and I even think I was... Just, you know, maybe holding my heart. Maybe I thought my heart was going to burst out of my chest. I mean, you know, figure of speech, obviously, but it was just so nerve-wracking. And I still remember there was a long ball from the Australians late in the game, late in about the, I think it was about the seventh minute of stoppage time, went out of bounds for a goal kick. And then that ensuing goal kick, I still remember this perfectly. Ahmed Reza Abidzad is about to take the goal kick, puts his hands to his face right before, and so the ball is kicked up in the air, and all of a sudden, there's nothing but yelling, screaming, yelling in the restaurant. I see the Iranian players running onto the field, and that was it. Just the celebration was amazing. We just qualified to the World Cup. It was the first time for Iran qualifying to the World Cup in 20 years. It was an amazing feeling. I mean, after all that drama that we had to deal with, all those frustrating moments, some of those heartbreaking losses... I mean, yeah, we didn't beat Australia. We tied them 1-1 in Tehran. We tied them 2-2 in Melbourne. But we clinched a spot in the 1998 World Cup, and it was amazing. And the euphoria 
was just amazing as well. And that was just me at a restaurant. I could only imagine what it was like in Tehran. Oh my God, it was crazy. After the goal, people were outside in the street, just loud music. People were dancing on the cars. Everybody's driving around. Everybody putting some S-Fan. So we drove from my aunt's house. She lived in the Shahrakegar, which is like a, a neighborhood in Tehran. We went to the one of the big squares. There were so by the time we got there, we drove there. By the time we got there, there were so many cars parked on the street and people just have their music dancing and laughing on the street in Iran, dancing, girls, guys, everybody. It was amazing. It, it was People stayed up till like one or two in the morning. It, it was, it, I've never seen such a happy moment for Iran's soccer that actually translated to the streets like that. And even after like the game, the day, the couple of days after, there were so many side bids that people have that, oh, if Iran goes to World Cup, you know, I buy dinner, I buy dinner for everybody. And the school, people were happy. I remember the next day I had an exam our teacher gracefully he canceled the exam he postponed it because nobody obviously got to study but <laughs> it, it, it was it was just amazing the feeling that Iran went for World Cup and finally after that many years and you actually got to witness such a historical event even to this day like I was talking to you a couple maybe like a week ago or so we were talking about the game I was, I was getting goosebumps just talking about the game it was so much excitement I've said before to my dad on many occasions, it's a night I wish I could relive. And I hope we're doing our best of helping all of our listeners relive that great moment. And, you know, another question I have for you is, how late were you out partying that night, celebrating? I, we were out till maybe like around 8, because it was winter time, so the sun went down pretty fast. So we were out till like 8, and then by the time I got home, it was around 9. But still, the game, every channel, they had the game running again. They're, they're redoing the game, talking about the game. After that game, I remember just everyone were cheering for so long. We were chanting, Ferranse, Ferranse. We were chanting it, of course, in Farsi. The Iranian team, you know, Team Ali, all the players, they're running around the field with the flags. It was awesome. I mean, it was such a great moment to see. I mean, it was unreal to me actually i mean it was a dream come true i remember before 98 qualifying began i remember even saying oh it would be so cool if iran could qualify to the world cup and they did it and you know a funny thing i have to mention now is i rarely ever tell people about this but when iran was losing two nothing it was right after that second goal i looked over to my dad and i said if we tie 2-2 iran will go to the world cup you know what my dad said don't hope for miracle wow and you know, I, I kind of remind him about that once in a while, but it's not really worth something to remind him about because it was great the way it happened, and it really was the miracle at Melbourne. The game we'll never forget. And not only did it take Iran to the 1998 World Cup, but I think it forever changed soccer and in football for the national team of Iran. It was a huge defining moment you know great moment for iranian football fans and i must say obviously a terrible moment for the australian fans but you know that's a whole different story in itself i i remember after that that's when a lot of iranian players 
they got contracts to play in Europe. So that game was their stepping stone for a much greater destiny that they, they wanted. And I remember after that loss of Australia, Australia petitioned to FIFA to change their status instead of they do all this prep work that all only get defined in one game so they can go straight to World Cup and then talk to uh, FIFA so they can join the Asian side of the game. So it was it was a bitter, very bitter history for for Australian fan and and a couple of days ago Australia was playing Honduras I think and as in a playoff game and Australia was up by two nothing and one of the commentator say he said it on TV he's like oh it, Australia been here before they were winning two zero and they got a two two when they played Iran and they didn't qualify so we should hold, keep all of our happiness yet till we actually get qualified. Well, they learned their lesson because you know the funny thing also is. I remember talking to someone from Australia a few years after that famous game, and he was working at a bar that night. He told me he wasn't big on you know football or soccer, you know, depending on where you are in the world. And he said at the bar in Australia, everyone was saying, hey, we're going to France, mate, we're going to France. And he said later that night, he saw there was just nothing but silence. But, you know, like we've been saying, great moment for us, and this has been a great debut episode for great moments in Team Ellie history. I'm sure there'll be many more to bring to you all. And Mahiar, I would just like to thank you for taking the time to join me here on Team Ellie Talk and be a part of the first ever podcast edition of Great Moments in Team Ellie history. Thank you so much for this opportunity that you gave me to share my experience with you all and the people that might not have watched the game at that time. Or even people that watch it and they want to relive a very tiny moment in history of uh, Iranian football history. And thank you so much for, for doing this. Hey, it was my pleasure. Once again, Matt here, thank you for joining us. And to all our listeners, thank you for the support. Make sure you check out our website. You know the address, teamelitalk.com. That's www.teamelitalk.com. Show us some support on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know the handle, at Team Ellie Talk. That's it for this edition of Great Moments in Team Ellie History. We we'll hope you join us next time. Thank you for listening. Khodafiz. Go Team Ellie.